This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. It's the middle of December in 2021. Uh, we are, oh my gosh. And the pandemic is over, just like oh, we expected. Yes, oh. Nothing's happened. Oh. oh, wait, no, we're still going through it. Dang it. Jeremy and I are hanging out on the Youth Worker Recharge. And, uh, you know, prior to being in youth ministry for a long, long time, I think a lot of people had the assumption that uh, the Christmas season is just easy for youth leaders. Um, And we're here to maybe dispel that myth and debunk it a little bit. Um, But before we get in there, Jeremy, I have a story that I have to tell you. I can't wait. And I haven't shared this with anybody yet. The anticipation has been killing me ever since you said you had a story to say. I totally hope it's worth it. So um, (laughs) I have been gone for 10 days and I came back and uh, I was making dinner for my kids. Chicken nuggets. My daughter likes to dip her chicken nuggets in honey, which is pretty innocent and, you know, pretty easy and everything else. So um, I serve her the honey and she's like, dad, this honey tastes spicy. Now, my daughter is like seven, so she doesn't have a large food vocabulary. So spicy is the uh-huh. default for something that she really doesn't like. Um, <laughs> but I taste it and she's right. It's got like a spice to it, a tang. It's weird. It's not it, It's not like honey out of the jar. And so I get them to bed. Um, I'm asking my wife about it. And she says, oh, you know what? Um, I was eating some of like, she does the um, natural oils and she has a digestive one that is full of like, garlic and ginger and all these things. And somehow she was making herself breakfast uh, of peanut butter, honey toast. And she dropped several drops of this digestive oil into the honey. And it tastes like garlic, ginger, terribleness. It's really well. I think you just have to tell people that it's called something called digestive oil. (laughs) That's all you need, really. Like, you know, that's, Probably, it's got to be one of the most disgusting tastes because otherwise they would have called it sweet honey butter. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm just recording that. Oil. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm recording this for everybody because my wife rarely makes mistakes, and right, this is one that she posterity. made and confessed to it, and so I feel really good about that. Uh, anyway, uh, the reason I bring that up, yeah, you tell the truth at Christmas, right? That's it's <laughs> totally what you do. At least that's what every British. But not about Santa. Yeah, but uh, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> Nothing. I don't. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> uh, all right. So today we're kind of doing a one-off. We have been working our way through the series of crash courses in youth ministry, and we released the final three of those at the beginning of December, which is super exciting. So now the full set of ten is out there, um, and I'll still put yeah. the link in the comments to those, and I feel great about them. Um, but today we're talking Christmas Eve for the youth worker. And mm-hmm. um, Jeremy, you and I both have years and years of experience at the local church. Christmas Eve is a busy and stressful day for people on church staffs. Accurate? That's right. Accurate. Except for like, there's like, it's funny because in, in the church world, there's like the people who have to work on Christmas Eve and the people who don't have to work on Christmas Eve. And it's funny because it's like in a lot of places, the people who have to work on a holiday are like the people that are, you know, in in the like periphery of the organization, right? The the newest person on staff, that kind of stuff. 
in the church, it's the exact opposite. It's the like central major players that all have to be there. <laughs> and you have to be there usually, uh, uh, well, in my experience, because there's multiple services and all the things a lot longer than you normally would, like on a Sunday morning. Yep. And everybody's working out of their normal time frame, right? Like, um, right. I, I think that youth leaders are used to being at the church in the afternoons and in the evenings, mm-hmm. but they're also used to having the run of the place. Um, right. And there is so much setup and prep that goes into things on a Christmas Eve. So, so the, the the last local church I was at, um, which is in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, um, a medium to large size church, certainly. But we had services at one o'clock and three o'clock that were the kids' services. We had right. services then that were like- more Which means you have to be there. Oh yes, have to. Right. All the other people don't have to be there. Sometimes senior pastors like, you know, I'm not so into kids. We'll let the other people do that. And sometimes that's under the guise of, I'm going to empower and equip the rest of my staff. Mm. Oh yeah, I'm going to empower them to work more yeah. than I have to work. Yeah. Um, and it, that doesn't mean that you're there just at one and three either, right? Like the setup, the, <laughs> no. all that stuff, right? Like if it's a one o'clock service, you're there at 11 o'clock. Um, easy, just to make sure everything is smooth and ready to go and all the, the bags are good and the candles are set and everything else. Um, and then so one and three kids services, five and seven traditional with hymns, and then either a nine o'clock or a 10 o'clock, depending on how late we wanted to go, that was communion and quiet. That well, was I just, my favorite. That was like, man, I... You guys missed the opportunity for the 11 o'clock that ends at midnight. That's what I grew up doing. And yeah. now that I'm grown up, I can understand why they did not want to do the 11 o'clock and push it all the way to midnight. Um, okay. But that was always my favorite one. Part of it was like it being at the end of mm-hmm. that marathon of a day. Um, and part of it was like sort of the quiet solitude that comes with a little bit of that reflection. And then um, uh our church always did a communion service as part of that last one as well. And so instead of just the, the crazy and everything's running and going a million different directions, it was that like sort of quiet focus on the Christ child. And I felt more honest about singing silent night, maybe at that very last service of the evening. You were ready for silence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the other piece, and I, I don't know how this is in your experience, but um uh, you know, being married to somebody that works for the church or, you know, serves in youth ministry roles, um, there's a whole different schedule that you have to learn. And my wife's yeah. family had a ton of uh, Christmas Eve traditions that they mm-hmm. did not understand why I could not be a part of them because my day was so busy. I want to say yeah. it took maybe five or six years to let that sink in for the family, which was tough. Yeah. Um, and, and, which, and that's whenever you've got sort of drama at home around the fact that you have to work about something. It just, it infects the whole thing, right? It really is tough. Um, Have you had a Christmas that fell on a Sunday? Yeah. And that was, well, yeah, a Christmas that fell on a Sunday. uh, That, that was not the end of the world. The Christmas Eve that fell on a Sunday was the one that was, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what we needed to do for that day. Mm -hmm. And the senior pastor made the call that we would not do anything different. We would have all of our normal morning services and all Mm -hmm. of our normal afternoon and evening services. So that meant 
8, 9, 15, 10, 40, 3, 4, 6, Man. Uh, 9, 30, 11. Wow. And it turned, oh, no, no, 6, 7, 30, and 11. Anyway, uh, and it turned out to be the highest attendance day that the church has ever had. He, yeah. in some ways, made the right call. That was intense. Oh, I bet it was. So so let me ask, because I've had a similar experience, right, where mm-hmm. um, nothing was canceled, everything was the same. How did the church or the volunteers or anybody that's sort of behind the scenes support the staff that had to be there for so long on that day? Your we, silence is telling no idea. <laughs> we had food. We had food there. Okay. So knowing you couldn't go anywhere to eat, we did have we had people that brought food. Uh, breakfast on the Christmas Eve day it was breakfast and dinner. Um, okay. uh, food that you sort of could grab and go. Um, and that was that was it. That's what that's what we did. But um, so I think there's sort of two sides of Christmas Eve for youth ministry people. One, it's the like managing your family expectations and talking them through that and finding ways to do special things with your family in and around the um, Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the like role you play in the, like at the, in the services. And I, I, I really like it when, youth ministry people are visible in those Christmas Eve services as a full staff member, you know, they're not just in a parking lot somewhere, but re, you know, saying a prayer or doing a reading or something like that. And more importantly is that they, it is a time where everybody is there and everybody is generally happy and Christmas Eve services are kind of the, one of those things that like, you just can't mess it up. People are there in, in a spirit of cheer. And, you know, unless you blind them with lights or pierce their ears with the worst feedback in the world, they're going to be fine. And they might actually be fine even if you do that. So it's a time to like, really high five every teenager in the church. Like there's, yeah. there's very few times that you actually will see all of these teenagers in a couple of hours span. Um, and, and especially the, the kids who are not, um, don't normally come to stuff. They will be there too. Yep. Cousins will be there too. It's nice that I don't really care about the cousins because cousins aren't going to be there ever again. But um, unless they live down the street, but but being able to like really high five all of those families yeah. on their way in or on their way out and say Merry Christmas and have any sort of conversation. I, you know, my my feeling is like this is a time to really um, reestablish some connections. Right. You see a kid that you haven't seen some kids you haven't seen for a while because there was finals and there was Thanksgiving and 
all of that. And so to be able to just reestablish that connection and say, Hey, how's it going? How do, how were your finals? How do you feel about it? Um, you know, what, what are you doing tomorrow on Christmas? You know, having that is so, so important. And, um, and so I think both of those things in the ministry side is really helpful. What did you do on the personal side to help your family? Um, uh, when you were um, having to work all that holiday, very important holiday. Mm. Um, well, I, I love the idea of reconnection. Uh, I'll get to your question too, for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, your, your comments really made me think of those people that you haven't seen for a while um, and the, the ability to kind of reestablish relationship with them. I think that's so valuable. And I really want people to be able to hear that. Um, and in addition to that, I mean, I, I think that there's other little things that youth leaders can do. Um, and it's not about creating something that's overwhelming, but, you know, maybe having like a little business card size something uh, in your back pocket. And when you're doing those high fives and say, hey, if you lost it, here's my email. Um, this is the number you can reach yeah. me at. This is like two things we have going on in January that I think you would love. And I would love to see, yep. you, you know, like those kind of things to have um, really, really are awesome while you're giving those high fives. Don't make it overwhelming. With the candy cane attached. A little, nice. yeah, a little tiny one, especially if you don't want to do the big ones, um, but get the good flavors. Don't cheap out on a, a crummy, like gummy. Not, not hot tamales flavor. No, get a, get a good, uh, no. ginger honey. Yeah. Don't get that. Oh, don't, don't get no. that. Mm-hmm. No digestive um, oil flavor. But. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but have those and don't make them overwhelming, right? Like don't hand them the spring calendar. Don't hand them something <laughs> that goes six months in advance. Say, Here's two things. And I think you the would next two things. And I would love you to see. I would love to be there with you to do those things. Um, on the personal family side of things, um, you know what what ended up being uh, really helpful was I will I was able to negotiate with the pastoral team um, to not be there for one of those traditional services. Mm-hmm. So if we had five Christmas Eve services, I needed to be there for four of them. And our staff was really good about helping every member of the staff team be involved in worship and be upfront and visible and, and in leadership positions, which was really nice. Uh, I think I have that passage from Isaiah memorized still, cause that was like always my slot, you know? Um, <laughs> but I was able to negotiate either missing the five o'clock or the seven o'clock. And that gave me a window of about two and a half hours that I could still go um, and be with my wife's extended family, um, her mm-hmm. parents, her siblings, um, anybody else who came around. And even right. having those two to three hours in the middle of the day ended up being just very, very helpful for relationships because Christmas Eve for her family was much bigger than Christmas Day itself, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the way that that tradition was built. So um, that that was a nice way to be able to kind of navigate it. And honestly, that was also before we really had kids. Um, yeah. When kids entered the picture, that also changed the whole experience, right? When you're trying right. to juggle um, kids plus Christmas plus family expectations plus whatever else. Um, I, I really hope that any of the youth leaders that are listening right now um, just kind of hear the encouragement to be able to seek some balance. Um, yeah. Because if if you're stressed and you're crazy because of everything you're being asked to do on Christmas Eve, that will uh, be contagious, right? Like, your, your kids can sense that your family can sense it. And it kind of taints a little bit of the day for everybody. Yeah. And I, you know, I'd say that if you are in a family that has a huge family Christmas Eve stuff, I think what Chris said is really important. And this is a, a bigger, uh, a bigger thing, but you, 
let's just be honest. You can't take Christmas Eve off, right? right. You're not going to get it off. I mean, yeah. it's, it's almost never the case, but being able to set some boundaries and ask for what you need that is reasonable. Like I can't be at all a hundred services, right? Mm-hmm. Can I just be at 90 of them? Right. Like that would, it's important to do that. And it's important to advocate for yourself and for your family. I, I think to be honest, like what you did there, Chris, is probably, you know, it was on the church side of things getting off for that service, but that makes a huge impact. You know, I, I know with your wife, right. Mm-hmm. To right. say, Oh, he, he made this happen for me because my family has this big Christmas thing. It sucks that he's not at all of the 20 traditions, but at least he got two of them, you know? Yeah. The, um, and the, the other option would have been like, well, you know, your whole family can come to church <laughs> not like you know hang out for 20 minutes between services but mm-hmm. um uh, you know that that boundary piece i know that's something that we've come back to several times for the sake of yeah. long-term longevity in youth ministry set those yeah, good yeah. boundaries and even when there's a day like a christmas eve or like an easter or like any of those where you just you can't miss them they're so important right. to be there for um it's okay to still be able to get creative and draw some boundaries around it because you're staff leadership, your church pastors want you to be in a healthy position. Yeah. Um, they should not it's in want everybody's yeah. best interest to, really to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and if you were in a workaholic culture um, that everybody does everything and everybody is expected to put in 20 hundred hours a week, uh, that's not healthy. And you don't need to feel guilty for having a little bit more healthy boundaries with your time. I know so many people that are in, you know, they're surrounded by all of these workaholics and, um, and they start feeling guilty for not working a hundred hours a week and getting paid for 20. And, um, you just can't do that. You've got to give yourself permission to be okay with healthy boundaries when other people don't have them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And Jeremy, last question, maybe before we're all done, um, this is a topic that's come up a couple of times for us, but when you're in leadership, sometimes it is hard to feel like you are worshiping uh, or mm-hmm. to feel like you are a part of the service that you're leading or any of those kind of things. Um, I mean, tell me for better or for worse, what does it look like for you on Christmas Eve and being in those services where you have to be work working, you have to be present? How do you still find time to sort of be able to worship that moment of Jesus's birth? I would say, um, so I am a person that I'm a realist with a lot of things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not possible for you to go to another Christmas Eve service somewhere else. It's not, it's not an option. You're already going to be at 10 at your own church. Um, and I will say that this is something that I've told multiple people that you've got to learn how to do um, in order to be able to make it a ministry. And that is, you have to learn how to worship when you are working. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't learn that skill and it's a learned skill, right. Of being, you know, on, you might be on the stage, right. But being able to really worship uh, even when you're working 
is a skill that if, if, if you can't do it, you will burn out and this is not going to work out for you long-term. And, and I would say <clears throat> it's the same with, um, it can be the same sometime with studying and doing sort of soul care. Sure. Um, uh, I am depending on, so for, there was a season where I was quote, a teaching pastor. That was the thing I did a cup, two unique sermons every week and a unique study every week. So I was preparing an enormous amount of material outside of the other pastoral duties that I had. Um, and what that meant though, is that like, I had to be fed by that. Yeah. Right. And, um, and you can be right. Um, you can, you can be, spiritually nourished by the things that you are doing that are spiritual in your job. And if you can't figure out how to do that, um, that's something that, that will take That's in my experience, that's a sort of a red flag, yeah. um, for burnout and just, you're not going to last a long time. Um, there are seasons when you're not going to be doing as much of that in your day-to-day -day work as a pastor. Um, and then you need to be caring for your soul and in all these other ways, like doing your own reading and study and time with God. But, you know, when you're in a crazy season of working a lot of hours and doing a lot of that for your work, you've got to learn how to be able to feed yourself while you're feeding other people. Um, it's like, and I feel like sometimes it's like chefs when I talk to chefs about cooking, right? Mm -hmm. They, a lot of them end up learning how to feed themselves at work. Right. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's part of the same, same kind of thing, same kind of thing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think my way of doing that is sort of looking for moments, you know, within, yep. within the full experience. And certainly one on Christmas Eve for me is, you know, if, if you're in a church that does candles and everybody's got their piece, uh, you know, ours was always silent night while the light slowly spread across the, right. the vast number of family members and everything else that showed up for that. Uh -huh. night. It was amazing to watch that light spread. And, and yeah. that, that was always a worship moment for me, but yeah. And there's, you know, there's, there's really cool opportunities when you are in the sort of leadership role, because when you're in the crowd of that, you don't really see it, but when you're up on the chancel, the stage, whatever you've got, um, you get to see things and experience things that other people don't, that is a privilege as a unique worship opportunity that just those who are, um, who are in leadership get to experience. And so you, you need to learn how to notice those, cherish those and really fill you. Yeah. And that makes me think too of uh, opportunities I've had to help put youth in the front, right? Whether that's mm, choir yeah, or uh, if there's a live nativity or something like that, allowing them to be, on that chancel side or on the front end of things so that they can watch some of those same experiences really can be a, a cool and powerful thing for them as well. So, mm -hmm. well, man, I'm, I'm glad we got to catch up a little bit today. And uh, really we pass on the best of our Christmas wishes to yes. everybody. That is listening. We are praying for all the youth workers that are out there mm -hmm. um, and your staffs as you navigate, you know, this season and any challenges that uh, COVID protocols might have. Uh, for doing Christmas in person again, you know, after right. whatever last year looked like for everyone. Um, and Jeremy, yeah. Merry Christmas to you too, man. Merry so, Christmas, Chris. Super duper exciting to celebrate this season again. So 